You're listening to a CFCC audio podcast. For news and service times, visit www.cfccnet.org. Good morning. Welcome to Sci-Fair Christian Church. We're so glad that you're here this morning. You know, um, working in the church office has a very interesting, strange benefit. This worship center is a quiet space for us during the week sometimes, and that's wonderful. But it just goes to prove to me that a church is a building if it's not filled with people. And I look so forward to being here Sunday morning where we're shoulder to shoulder with other believers and we get to come together to hear the word. So thank you for being here. Very excited to hear um, Dale share the word with us this morning. Happy Father's Day. (laughs) We do want to honor our fathers today. Whether you... um, are a father in the sense that we think of fathers, or if you are a father to somebody in a way that um, fills that role. We want to acknowledge um, those people in our lives as well, and reach out to them today. Let them know that you're thinking about them and you appreciate them. Um, Also, there's fathers that, um, people that want to be fathers. I have a person really close in my life that's always wanted to be a father, and these days are difficult for those people. So reach out to them. Let them know that they're in your hearts today. If you were anywhere on our campus this past week, you know that our entire campus was transformed into VBS. And it was an exciting, wonderful week. We had over 75 kids that attended VBS with about 100 volunteers that helped put it together. If you were involved in VBS in any way at all, if you will stand, we'd like to recognize you at this time. Thank you so much. There was an overarching message at VBS this week, and I'm gonna ask the kids to help me out with that. One of the nights we had was when life is unfair, God is good. That was the overarching message of VBS last week, and you know, our, our children really got that message, and it's part of their faith journey. So VBS is, is a very um, fun, exciting week where our children get to grow. So, very exciting. So if you haven't done that, look forward to that next year. You can start thinking about what area you might wanna be involved in. Um, We have a lot of great things coming up this summer. We've got a group of um, students leaving today for camp. If you see Travis sometime today, grab his neck, give him a hug. This man has been busy. And it doesn't stop. He's got camp this week. He's got camp next week. So, yeah, just let him know you appreciate him. Aside from camp, if you take a look in your bulletin, you'll see that there's a lot of summer activities still for the kids to be involved in, whether it's a student or an elementary age. So look through there. Visit our website. There's a ton of information about the details on these events. Um, just lots of, lots of fun things to get involved with. Ladies, summer events are also in your bulletin, and there's a lot of um, activities where you can go get plugged in, meet some people, you know, walking on your faith journey together. So again, thank you for being here. We look forward to worshiping with you, and I'll turn it over to Kevin. All right. Our Father in heaven here today, we are so grateful for all of you fathers out there who have impacted our lives Uh, But uh, we are also looking to our Heavenly Father, who is perfectly good, and uh, we give him praise and worship. Let's let's go to him in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your goodness. Oh, God, we thank you for your love and your grace and your patience with us as your children. And we come to you today, uh, our perfect Heavenly Father, and we give you glory, Father. And we bring to you, uh, it occurred to me this morning, that uh, we we bring you these sort of like... uh, uh, handmade cards, as it were, these macaroni noodle necklaces, and we give them to you as a gift. It's this worship that we give to you, Lord, it seems so small, but in you, you, de- you just delight in the songs of your children, and uh, we revel in that, God, and so we give all of this honor and glory and worship to you. We give you our hearts, and we pray that you are pleased, inhabit the praises of your children, Father, today. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, church family. Happy Father's Day. I wanted to share a couple of 
thoughts that I had or a couple of memories with my dad. And um, one of the memories that just pops to my mind is how he would wait when he knew that I was coming over. Um, he would stand in the driveway and wait for me. And I'd call him and say, okay, dad, I'm on my way. And so he would, you know, he'd open his garage door and he'd come wait on his driveway. And he lived at the, on a corner lot at the end of a really long street. And so as soon as I turned onto that long street at the other end, I could see him, that small figure in the distance. You know, and I knew my dad was there. And I knew that, you know, I was getting closer and closer to him. He would get, you know, bigger and bigger. And any ill that my car had going on, it was going to be fixed really soon because I was going to be at my dad's house. And it was so comforting. And my dad passed away several years ago, and that's just one of the things that I just, it's just so near and dear to my heart. I really miss that. Um, another precious memory I guess I have of my dad is he was holding my, my niece, who was about three years old at the time, little chubby baby arms and curly hair. And you know, he would pick her up when he'd see her, and you know, her big blue eyes were just looking at him. And he said, you know, he had her in his arms, he'd just take everything. Just take it all. He was so overcome with emotion that he just, I mean, he melted, right? And I know you might have experienced that with a child or a grandchild or seen somebody, seen that happen. You know, in Zephaniah 3.17, it says, the Lord sings over us, that he is moved to song because of us. And what strikes me about that is, you know, he created the world, the heavens and the earth, and, and all he did there was he said, it is good. He didn't break into song. He could have created you know, numerous universes, but none of those moved him to song the way that, that we do. And, and I kind of think, well, what would hearing, you know, the Lord, the God Almighty, what would hearing him sing sound like? You know, would it be the roar of like um, Niagara Falls, you know, mingled with the small sound of a, a mossy brook, you know, running? Would it be a blast of a Mount St. Helens combined or you know, mingled with the purr of a kitten? Or would it be the sound of you know, loads of sugared up kiddos and students dancing at VBS and praising him mingled with the small voice of a first time little VBS attendee just saying, happiness, 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 because she heard there were hamburgers you know, waiting for her. And, and it might be hard to believe that, you know, that God's crazy about us, right? And we sing about it and his love never fails. And, and it can be hard for us to believe. And I don't know about y'all, but my dad also told me when I was growing up, you know, because I said so. I'm not the only one, right? Because I said so. I heard that many times. Um, but we can believe it, that God loves us that much because it tells us in his word, in Jeremiah 31.3, that he loves us with an everlasting love. And we can believe that because he says so. If y'all would pray with me. Father God, thank you so much for another beautiful day you've given us. Thank you for this offering time, Lord. We just pray that you would take these small macaroni necklace offerings and just multiply them for your kingdom, Lord, that more people would come to know your son and your will. Father God, we just pray that through our giving, Lord, that we would draw closer to you and experience your love for us. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Good to see everybody here today. Happy Father's Day. We're going to do something a little different this morning, and I need six volunteers, six dads volunteers, but we're going to do this a little differently than we normally do. What we're going to do is we're going to take these beach balls here. Bob, grab that beach ball or grab that beach ball right there. Uh, here we go. Barry, I'm going to toss this one to you. That's yours. Okay, hang on to it. Rick, grab that beach ball right there. There's going to be a couple in the back. Uh, hang on, guys. Hang on. Here we go. This is what we're going to do. I'm going to throw these beach balls out. Into the crowd, they're going to be coming from in front of you, from behind you. When the music stops, if you're a dad with the beach ball, I want you to come up on the stage right up here. If you're not a dad, I want you to give it to the nearest dad. Are you ready? Are you guys ready? Are you ready? All right, here we go. Kick off the music. Get after it. Come on. When the music stops, when the music stops. Just keep going when the music stops. Back those things around. Come on, y'all. 
If you're a dad and you have a beach ball, I want you to come up to the front. If you're not a dad, hand it to your nearest dad around you, okay? All right, got some serious contestants here. Come on up, come on up. All right, I need three guys over here. Joel, why don't you come over here? All right, Jimmy, who we got? We got one more? Steven, why don't you come over here? I should have three and three. Here's what we're gonna do. I'm out of breath. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to play the really, really bad dad joke challenge, okay? <laughs> the object of this game, you can put your uh, beach balls down. The object of this game is to tell a bad dad joke and make the other person laugh. The first person to laugh in this head-to-head -head competition loses, whether you're telling the joke or you're listening to the joke, okay? First person to laugh loses okay here's what we're gonna do uh, you're gonna go up on this platform right here and you've got a stack of cards and I want you to grab the first card and I want you to read the joke to the other person I will be the judge of what a laugh is I don't need any input from you guys I am the judge you can smile and you can you throw your head back but if you make a noise and if I consider it a laugh, you're out. And you gotta go sit down until we have one winner, okay? Our first two contestants, step on up here. Introduce yourself. Joel Egerbrecht. All right, Joel. All right, how about you? Peter R. Helger. Okay, here we go. This is what we're gonna do. Now, we gotta decide who goes first. So you guys play rock, paper, scissors. You know how to do this? Here we go. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Oh, okay, let's try that again, because he gave it, gave it away. Oh, <laughs> do it one more time. Do it, that was a practice. You're good? Okay. All right, Peter, here we go. Here we go. All right, first person to laugh loses, whether you're telling the joke or listening to the joke. Ready? Go. What did the excited gardener do when spring finally came? He wet his plants. All right, Joel, you go. You didn't laugh? Well, that, be careful. That looked like a laugh. You're laughing at me? Okay, read yours now. Here we go. What do you call a man with a rubber toe? A Roberto. Okay, keep going. Keep going. Come on. How do you get a tissue to dance? Cry on it. Put a little boogie in it. I'm not sure I have enough jokes for this. Okay, keep. Why don't melons get married? Because they cantaloupe. What is Beethoven's favorite fruit? Wait, tell it, say it again, say it again so we can hear it. What is Beethoven's favorite fruit? Banana. No, Peter, Peter, it's banana. <laughs> Sit down. All right. Next up, go to the end line. Go to the end line. All right, Jimmy. Introduce yourself. Introduce yourself, Jimmy. Jimmy Lewis. All right, Jimmy Lewis and Jack Surpass. Jack Surpass. All right. Rock, paper, scissors. Here we go. Ready? Rock. Paper, scissors, shoot. Oh, you guys are terrible, don't you? Have... Okay, Jimmy wins. All right, first joke. Here we go. Read it loud so we can hear. How do you follow Will Smith in the snow? How do you follow Will Smith through the snow? I don't know. You follow the Fresh Prince. Why does Snoop Dogg always carry an umbrella? I don't know. For Grizzle. <laughs> Jack, you're out. You're out, sit down. Uh, 
Jimmy Bagalow. Alright, introduce yourself. Ray Weatherill. Ray Weatherill. Stephen McGinn. Alright, rock, paper, scissors, here we go. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Scissor, okay, again, here we go. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Alright, paper wins. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. What did the buffalo say to his son when he left for college? What do you say? Bye, son. <laughs> right, you're out. Go sit down. Go sit down. Go sit down. No, sit up here. Sit up here for me. Sit up here. Oh. I've got gifts for you guys, by the way. So I forgot to mention that, but you're playing for a prize here. Everybody's going to walk away a winner, but there's something special for the champion here. All right. Okay. Peter and see. Actually, you know what, Jimmy? You step down, Steven. Jimmy's turn. Jeter and Peter. Here we go. Rock, paper, scissors. Ready? Rock, paper, scissors. Okay, here's how you would do this, okay? You go, na, na, na. Okay, here we go. Ready? Here we go. Rock, paper, scissors. Rock, man. Ugh. All right, Jimmy. What do you call a dwarf psychic who has escaped? Uh, what do you call a dwarf psychic who's escaping from prison? A small, medium, at large. No, nothing from y'all? That's one of my favorites. Okay, Peter, here we go. If Spaghetti made a movie, what would it be called? Spaghetti made a movie, what would it be called? Mission Impossible. Okay, next, go, go, rapid fire. Rapid fire round, here we go. Did you hear about the man who fell into a into an upholstery machine? Did you hear about the man who fell into the upholstery machine? Nope. He's fully recovered. <laughs> Peter. What did the horse say after it tripped? Help, I've fallen and I can't giddy up. <laughs> okay, keep going, Jimmy. That was close. What is Forrest Gump's password? What is Forrest Gump's password, Peter? One Forrest One. <laughs> he got himself out. All right, Steven. All right, here we go. Rock, paper, scissors. Here we go. Wait, 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 wait. Can we? One, two, three, boom. Okay, like nah, 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 nah. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Ready? Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. All right, rock wins. Here we go, Peter. <clears throat> What do you call a Frenchman wearing sandals? Frenchman wearing sandals. Philippe Falape. <laughs> Philippe Falap. A Frenchman wearing sandals. Philippe Falap. Really? You guys are terrible. Okay, that's really good. Okay, Stephen. What do you call a fish with two knees? A toony fish. What do you call a snowman with a six-pack? Snowman with a six-pack. An abominable snowman. No, 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 no. Read it one more time. An abdominal snowman. Where did you come up with this? Hey. Oh, I missed it. No, I left. Did he laugh? Did he laugh? Why? He smiled. He laughed. You're out of here! Yeah. <laughs> Good job. Okay, step up. Step up? Okay. Yeah, here we go. Why did the crab never share? Why? Because he was shellfish. <laughs> You're out. Go sit down. All right. All right, give our contestants a hand. Awesome. Here's what we have for you. We have some great books. These are men's uh, book studies. Uh, I've read uh, these in there. Fantastic studies, okay? So we've got uh, Tim Tebow here shaking a great one. A men's year devotional called Stand Firm, unscripted by um, uh, Ernie Johnson. Great story of him. And uh, let's see. Actually, here. Let me have this. Shaking. It goes to you, Joel. Sorry. And Stand Firm for you, Peter. And for the winner, Stephen, right? You're the winner. I got the resolution for men with a $50 Home Depot gift card. 
All right. Happy Father's Day, guys. You can keep it. Constellation Prize. Happy Father's Day, everybody. The message today, I have a few more jokes for you, all right? Um, what does a nosy pepper do? It gets jalapeno business. <laughs> In honor of my father, <laughs> I've told the staff many jokes. My father died in, in December, and uh, I'm a pastor, and he'd say, now, Dale, I'm not sure you could tell this one in church, but, <laughs> and then he'd finish the joke, and usually he was right, but one of the old time, old time is why, don't answer, some of you know, why did Texas A&M not play Texas Tech? They had TT on their helmets. That's exactly right. I got permission to tell that one, by the way. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> that joke did draw a kind of a look like that a few places in the room. But you know, we're having fun today, right? And considering the passage that we're looking at, one of my favorite stories in all of God's word, and yet, it's a very challenging story. Humor, humor, laughter is what the Bible says? Good medicine, good medicine. The best thing we can often do is laugh, laugh. I encourage you, even during the most challenging times of life, find reason to laugh, to celebrate. In funeral services, I typically um, will tell lots of stories. Every single person I've ever done a funeral for, their life's worth celebrating and I tell stories that will bring tears, not to bring tears, just because we love, and when we love, there is always loss, right? But I tell stories to bring laughter. The most beautiful funeral, in my opinion, is a place where there's both tears and laughter, an incredible celebration of someone's life. I hope that you will celebrate, celebrate, as we continue forward today, whether your father's here or whether he's gone on before you, uh, I pray that you would celebrate well today. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is true. We thank you for your word. Your word is true. Father, teach us from your word today. Encourage us from your word today challenge us from your word today. We pray these things in Jesus' precious name, amen. In 1981, a movie came out by the name of Chariots of Fire. Many people know the movie simply from the soundtrack, beautiful soundtrack. The movie is about Eric Liddell, or Liddell, however you choose to pronounce it, uh, he's known as the Flying Scotsman. Um, his preferred race was 100 meters. He was competing in the Olympics. His race was going to occur on Sunday. And not because of this strict piety, but simply because of his passion for Jesus Christ, very passionate faith, uh, he refused to run on the Sabbath. Um, he then ran the 400 meters, not his preferred race, um, and he won the gold medal in the 400 meters. In the movie, this is actually not a quote by him, but his friends, his family all agree that this quote definitely described his sentiment. He said these words to his sister, I believe that God made me for a purpose. I believe that God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. 
And when I run, I feel his pleasure. I feel his pleasure. We have several runners in our church very passionate runners, a couple of them in particular, Ramon Rosales and Mike um, right up here up front. And I'm sure you enjoy our, I know you're passionate about running, Mike. And um, I'm sure um, there's a peace um, and a freedom in that that you don't find anywhere else. That quote actually occurs in a larger context. He's saying those words to his sister because his sister believes he is compromising by being a runner. Here's the quote in its context. I have decided I am going back to China. The missionary service has accepted me, but I've got a lot of running to do first. You have got to understand, I believe that God made me for a purpose, for China, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. To give it up would be to hold him, God, in contempt. Eric Liddell actually uh, moved to China in 1902, He was raised by missionary parents in China. After he ran in the Olympics, he returned to China. Uh, He would marry. Uh, He'd have one daughter there, and his wife was expecting another daughter around the time of the Japanese invasion of China. You know, when we think of World War II, we often do think of D-Day and Normandy. Um, What we don't know is the Japanese nation invaded China and they were savage. There, um, to this day, there's great animosity to the Japanese from the Chinese in mainland China. I've been to uh, a museum there that is encased in glass and it is a village that was burned. People had gasoline poured on them, burned to the ground and their skeletons and charred remains are in the glass museum. Children, babies, adults, a, a very, very sad scene. So you shouldn't be surprised at that savagery that Eric would send his wife and um, his daughter, and of course she was expecting, to Canada. He would remain in China and he would be imprisoned in a a prison camp, horrid conditions. Um, No sewer, no running water. Uh, It was a mess. There were many, many children by themselves in this prison camp. Imagine that, by themselves. They were separated um, from their parents during um, the Japanese invasion. Not Chinese children, American children, Canadian children, European children. In the camp, he cared for the children. He was known as Jesus with tennis shoes on. He refereed sports. He refereed soccer in the camp. He taught the children, tutored the children, and literally, you know, literally taught them. He actually chose to referee on the Sabbath. Why? Again, because he was not so inflexible that he did not realize that people came before commandments. And he saw the damage that occurred in the children's lives when they had nothing to do in the camp. He would die at 43 years of age of brain cancer. He would die six months before the prison camp was freed. Child after child told their parents, children separated from them, told their parents about Uncle Eric. Uncle Eric. His own daughter, hearing many, many of those stories, 
said these words. She was at a monument in Tianjin. Uh, I've been to the monument. It's a monument dedicated to Liddell. I felt so close to him at the monument. And more than ever, I realized what his life had been for. Now, this is his daughter he'd never met. The daughter his wife was carrying when she left for China. I realized what his life had been for. It all made sense. What happened allowed him to touch so many lives as a consequence. I don't know about you, it's hard to get my arms around the story. It's hard to get my mind around the story. It's hard to get my heart around the story. The brutality of war is hard to get your mind around. The people's lives who are literally destroyed is hard to get your mind around. But here is a daughter who had never met her dad. He says, I see great purpose in my father's death. Pretty amazing, is it not? Pretty amazing. If you have your Bible, we're going to just walk through the story of Joseph and I'll try to um, give a little more information. It's a long story, not quite as long as the story of Job. Joseph is the son of Jacob. Jacob is renamed to Israel in this story. Don't be confused because sometimes he's referred to Jacob, sometimes as Israel, it's the same person. Genesis 37, verse three. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his sons because he was the son of his old age and he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. The verse before that passage says that Joseph brought a bad report about his brothers to uh, his father. It could mean that he's a tattletale. I, I don't know exactly what it meant, but, but bottom line, he was his father's favorite. His father knew all too well about favorites because he was his mother's favorite and Esau was his father's favorite and he should have already known the damage favoritism could do in life, right? Should have got it. His mother was the favorite of his father and, and Leah, right, was not the favorite. Again, pain in the family. So there's pain in this family. His father sends him out to his brothers who are keeping sheep and some man finds him, Joseph, wandering in the field. It tells me he didn't go out to the field too often. You get it? He doesn't even know where he's going. And so someone has to send him on to the place that the brothers had moved to. His brothers want to kill him. And then Reuben says, we shouldn't kill him. We shouldn't shed blood. And so they decide to sell him into slavery while Reuben's in the field. They sell him to the Ishmaelites, again, a people that came from a divided family I'm not making this up. Abraham slept with Hagar. Hagar had a child, Ishmael, right? You see the division? So if there's division in your family or if you're in a, a relationship experiencing strife or division right now, please take heart. God works in difficult situations for his glory. The Bible is not filled with spotless people without problems. The Bible is filled with challenging situation after situation. And in the question is, will we walk with God in those challenges or will we take life matters into our own hands. Look at chapter 39. 
When he was sold into slavery, he ended up in Egypt. He ended up uh, being sold to Potiphar in verse two of chapter 39. The Bible says, the Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw the Lord was with him. You see that? God's favor was upon him. Other people saw God at work. Pagans saw God at work in Joseph's life. So Joseph found favor in his sight, Potiphar's sight, and attended him. And he made him overseer of his house, and he put him in charge of all that he had. Wow. So he goes from slave to top man in Potiphar's house. And the Bible says that Potiphar had no problem trusting him with anything. He trusted him completely. There was a problem though. Potiphar's wife wanted Joseph. And so Potiphar's wife, true story, hit on him, the Bible says, every day. Read it, it's there, every day. Now, I don't know about you men in this room, but I'm just being honest. That's some kind of strength to be hit on by a woman every day and never succumb to the pressure. Um, women, excuse me if that's offensive, but I'm just speaking. I think most men would agree. That's temptation, right? Is it temptation? Okay. He refuses her again and again and again. Timothy, by the way, Paul speaking to Timothy, says flee useful lust. Run. And that's exactly what Joseph does. He runs. But Potiphar's wife takes his cloak and she cries out to her court and says, see what this Israelite, see what this foreigner is doing? He is taking advantage of us. So Potiphar puts him in prison. Now, Potiphar has all authority. I'm not, I'm not belittling his wife, but I think she probably had done this before. Because if she hadn't, he would have taken his head off. Make sense? But he doesn't. He trusted Joseph, and so he puts him in prison. You pick up the story in verse 20 of chapter 39. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. This was the main maximum security prison. And he was there in prison. Listen to this verse. But the Lord was with Joseph and he showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. Favor again. But I love that phrase, steadfast love. It's the Hebrew word hesed. It's a word for covenant love. It's a word that means God has chosen to have a relationship with us. He has adopted us. He's called us to be his people. So Joseph's confidence, Joseph's ability to keep going is rooted in the very love of God. Pharaoh sends his chief cupbearer and his chief baker to prison. While in prison, this is in chapter uh, 40, I believe, the cupbearer has a dream and Joseph interprets a dream for him and interprets it favorably. He gets out of prison soon after and returns to Pharaoh's court. The chief baker has a dream, but Joseph does not interpret it favorably, and he is hung. He is killed. Joseph tells the chief cupbearer, all I ask is that you remember me when you get to Pharaoh's court. Remember me. 
mention me. Get me out of here. But the Bible says for two years, Joseph is forgotten. Now let's just review this history, okay? He goes from being the main guy in his family, most loved by the father, the favorite, to the hated brother who's abandoned by his brothers, who's sold into slavery by his brother, who then is lied about and betrayed by Potiphar's wife, who then is forgotten by the chief cupbearer. You see the theme? Just doesn't sound fair, does it? Come on, guys, I need you. Is that fair? But the truth of the matter is, often, often, life, life brings those very things if we live long enough. It might not bring every one of them to our door, but some of them will eventually come to our door and we will have to face them. Often, I have said these words, God is in control even when the world seems out of control. You believe that? Let's name some way very quickly our world's out of control. Name it. What? That was terrible. Stricken from the record. Don't ask me what they said, but I have good ears when I need to. All right, someone else? War. Come on, guys. Hunger. Abortion. Famine. What? Cancer. Shootings. Violence. Corruption. In, in Africa, the number one thing you will hear from the common man is the degree of corruption in the government there. What? The weather. Oh, my word. That, see, who said that? So, oh, 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 sorry, sorry. That was a wonderful answer. <laughs> wonderful. My dear friend, wonderful answer. You see, guys, that statement, I think we can get our arms around. But there's often a stretch, a challenge between that and this. God is in control even when my world seems out of control. You see, Joseph was able to keep going because Joseph believed this. God is in control when my world seems out of control. God is in control when I'm hated. God is in control when I'm abandoned. God is in control when I'm sold into slavery. God is in control when I'm falsely accused. God is in control when I'm forgotten. God is in control because he loves me and nothing will separate me from his love. Now, I don't want you to answer out loud, but how might your world be out of control right now? How has it been or what is your worst nightmare? You see, God will meet you in that moment. Victor Frankl studied him in college, a psychology degree, I mean minor. Uh, in the book, Man's Search for Meaning, he writes, there is nothing that would so effectively help one to survive. He's a survivor of the Holocaust to survive even the worst conditions as the knowledge that there is meaning in one's life. I would, meaning to one's life. 
Despair is suffering without meaning. Randy Alcorn in the book, If God is Good, writes, God isn't the author of evil, but he is the author of a story that includes evil. He intended from the beginning to permit he intended from the beginning to permit evil then to turn it to turn evil on its head to take what evil angels and evil people intended for evil and use it for good in the face of lowest evil God intended to show his highest good the story of Joseph continues Finally, the chief cupbearer remembers Joseph and he tells the Pharaoh about Joseph because the Pharaoh is now having dreams. Verse 15. And the Pharaoh said to Joseph, he got him cleaned up by the way. And the Pharaoh said to Joseph, I've had a dream and there is no one who can interpret it. I've heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph answered Pharaoh, it is not me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. You see, if you're not careful, you will leave this place today and you will be amazed by Joseph. Joseph is not the hero of this story. God is. Joseph would tell you, God is the hero of my story. I'm not the hero. Over and over and over again in this chapter, Joseph gives God credit. In verse 39, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, it, it, Pharaoh's got the message. Since God has shown you all this, and what did he show him? That there's going to be seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. Since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards the throne Will I be greater than you? Joseph was somebody. Famine is in the land, his homeland as well. His brothers come. They want to buy food, grain. And they're in the process of doing this. Verse 8, chapter 42 and Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. And Joseph remembered the dreams he had dreamed. What were his dreams? That his brothers and father would submit to him and bow before him. He plays a game with them. It's a crazy game where... Um, one, he accuses them of being spies and he keeps their brother Simeon and then he packs their grain bags with the money they were supposed to buy the grain with. He sends them home. He tells them, if you're going to come back again, you need to bring Benjamin with you. And they say to him, there's no way we can bring Benjamin. Our father would die if we brought Benjamin. But eventually they did bring Benjamin. Probably two years went by. So they bring Benjamin and he is set up, set up by Joseph. You say, that's the strangest thing, Dale. Well, there's a purpose. He puts a goblet in a cup, silver cup, in Benjamin's bag this time and is sending them all home. And so they catch them as they're leaving. And he said, go through everyone's bag, the elder to the youngest, and so they got to Benjamin's bag and here's the cup. Joseph said, he will be my servant. You can go home now. 
They tell Joseph that again, their father will drop dead. I know this is a long story. The end is very simple tonight, today, this morning. It feels like tonight I've gone so long, right? (laughs) That wasn't planned. A little further, chapter 45, verse one, it's pretty simple. Joseph could not hold it in any longer. He's wailing, he's crying. He tells his court to leave and they can all hear him. In verse five, he says, he said, you sold me into Egypt, verse five, and now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive you for you many survivors so that it was you, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Your story might not end like Joseph's. That's the truth. But it does not mean your story does not have purpose. Your story might not end like Joseph, but it does not mean that God has not loved you with an everlasting love, a steadfast love, that he's adopted you into his family. Did Eric Liddell's life end well? Did it? No. Thank you for being honest. No, it did not. But the purpose of his life, the meaning of his life, the fruit from his life was incredible and lasts to this very day. You have a choice. Will you believe that all of our stories, good or bad, are part of God's great story. Do you believe your life matters in the big scheme of things? Do you believe God wants to work good in the most difficult times of your life? Listen to these verses about God being in control. First Chronicles 29, 12, both riches and honor come from you and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. For kingship belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. Many, many people, many in church believe that um, life is just about fate. Some things happen, stuff happens. The writer of Proverbs says, the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. Daniel writes, the sentence is by the decree of the watches, the decision by the word of the holy ones, to the end that the living may know that the most high rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets over it the lowliest of men. Jesus said, are not two sparrows sold for a penny and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are numbered. All of our stories are part of God's greater story. You see, it takes faith faith to believe those words and live those words. Do you think there was ever a moment when Joseph doubted? I think there was. 
because he's not God. But in the end, he persisted. He pursued God. We lean into God. We're tempted to pull back from God, but we lean into God and trust him that he has a purpose. He has a plan. I'll let you do your own study on Genesis 15, 13. I don't have time today. You might just jot that down. Hebrews 1, 3 says he is the radiance of the glory of God, Jesus is, and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power after making purification for sins, your sins, my sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Elizabeth Elliot, Jim Elliot's wife, Jim was killed after being a missionary to cannibals. Um, she went back and served as a missionary there. She writes, he is always doing something, the very best thing, the thing we ourselves would certainly choose if we knew the end from the beginning. He is at work to bring about our full glory. God is in control even, even when my life and your life seems out of control. Jesus holds up this world in his hands. In his hands. I love that one verse ties together the fact that he's in control and he gave his life, he shed his blood for the purification of sins that your sin and my sin might be made white as snow. That's what it says. What a beautiful passage. How can we have hope? in the midst of the worst times by having a relationship with God through Jesus Christ? How can we have hope? By knowing in our core, at the root of who we are, that we are loved, that we are accepted, that as Carrie said, that God dances over us. He celebrates us as his children. Do you know that kind of hope? Do you know that kind of love? Do you know that kind of strength? It can be yours because God is the hero of our story, not us. We're frail creatures. We're clay pots. We break, we crack, but God shines through. I'm gonna ask those serving communion to come forward at this time. Our prayer partners will be up front. Our prayer partners will be in back. Could it be that God has allowed the difficulty in your life so that you might come face to face with the truth of the good news of Jesus Christ, that you might embrace Christ and that you might live a life with purpose even in difficult times. Could it be that God is polishing you? You know, sandpaper's rough but he's sanding, he's smoothing, and it happens through rough times. 
He wants you to shine. He wants you to reflect him to a world in great need. Could it be that your difficulties, your trials are connected with that very fact? Let's celebrate the sacrifice Christ made that we might live lives filled with hope, live lives as children of God in the midst of a real world. Father, we thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus. We thank you that he chose the cross for us. We thank you that he said, I must suffer and die. We thank you that he is risen and that someday we will be risen and there will be a new heaven and a new earth and we celebrate this table of grace until he calls us to be with himself or until he comes again for us all. Father, I pray. I pray for those who are struggling today. May they lean into you and lean into your love. Father, I pray for those who are far from you. May they know you're running after them. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you come? Scripture says nothing, 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 nothing will ever separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Jacob, Israel, dies. And his brothers think that it's all been a ruse. They think that Joseph's done what he's done just for his father. And they think to themselves, surely he'll kill us now that dad is gone. And Joseph said these words, do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. You meant it for evil. God meant it for good. The enemy means it for evil. God means it for good. Very, very familiar passage. Often I don't think we understand the breadth the depth of this verse. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. All things all things? Really? You know, Kevin and I could teach on suffering, a series, a year-long series, and we would never answer all the questions. I don't believe there are answers to all the questions. The question is, can you say, I believe that God is good even when my life doesn't make sense. I believe God is good even when this world does not make sense. I believe that God still has a purpose for my life even when things are out of control. I believe God wants to exchange the mess and do something greater through it. You see, that is a bold way 
to live. But if the tragedy of the cross can be transformed to the glory, the beauty, the power of the resurrection, surely God, surely God can meet us wherever we are and walk with us through to the end. You know, honestly, this was the greatest question I was asked as a church planter when I was engaging people who had no connection with the church. They would ask me over and over again, how can a God, a loving God, allow such pain and evil and suffering in this world? You know, it's a good question. It's a great question. You'll never get a perfect answer for that question. Will that struggle keep you from stepping across the line of faith and say, I'm all in with you, God. I don't understand everything. I still have questions, but I'm all in. You see, Jesus went all in. You don't earn your way to God. You can't earn your way to God. Jesus met you. Acknowledge your need. He forgives us. It's the most beautiful story that's ever been told. Wherever you find yourself today, lean into God. Pray with a partner. Don't rush. Let's stand. Let's celebrate the fact that God will never, never let us go. Let's just give God thanks. Father, we thank you for your goodness, for your patience, and that you use it all. Lord, nothing is wasted, Father. The good, the bad, the ugly, all goes toward your greater story and for your glory. Father, we thank you that it's not in vain. Even the suffering, even the hardship, you use it all. God, we thank you and we bless your name as we go out in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Have a great Father's Day.